with me in turning to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, we're going to start with verse 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, or if you just would like to look at a physical copy there, there should be one on your row right before you. Romans is a fascinating book that has caused a lot of change in the world. Uh, If you know your church history well, you'll know that St. Augustine was reading Romans as part of his conversion. Also, Martin Luther, uh, about a thousand something years later, is also reading Romans uh, at the point of the Reformation, and he finds new life. It seems as if, and there's many others, remember Wesley even, it's the preface to Romans that he's reading when his heart is strangely warmed. It seems as if God uses Romans, this book of Romans, as an impetus for change and renewal. And I pray that would be the case even this morning for us. Notice these words in chapter 5 of Romans. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I think I need to repeat that again. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Holy Word. Bless now this reading of your word, we pray in your most holy name, amen. For the Christian, love is our staple. Love is our foundation. And I don't know about you, but I'm a novice stapler. Alright, so like I'm, I'm used to staplers, and I have used them and operated them, sometimes incorrectly, and one of those times was last night, actually. But before that misuse of a staple, because you know what a staple is, right? It's this little, little pin, or defined differently in Webster's and this and that, but ultimately it's this thing that clamps things together to be together, right? 
but it actually has to have a certain kind of foundation in order for the staple to work. That's what I keep not figuring out correctly. So when I was a kid, I, I actually was trying to fix the stapler and ended up stapling through my finger all the way to my fingernail. You ever had anything like that? It wasn't a big gauged staple, but nonetheless, it very painful. I could see the end of the staple there. Uh, and then last night, I was trying to staple something. Ended up stapling my wooden desk uh, because I thought it was going to be hard enough, and it, at the end of the day, wasn't. So I'm looking for pliers and stuff uh, around midnight to get that out, and I did. I was successful with that. But I learned, I started looking, I'd never seen it before, but I saw these grooves within the bottom foundation part of where the staple goes that makes them curve inward. So I'm learning about staples, but we too must, as Christians, learn about our staple, in other words, our foundation, the thing that binds us all together, the thing that must be driven into all of our hearts, and that is love. Not love by the world's standards or definitions, not cheap emotional love alone. Love can accompany, our emotion can accompany love, but love is more than how we feel about one another, isn't it? Haven't you learned that yet in loving those who you say to them, I love you? Is it's not always how we feel, but it instead is a commitment to them. And it's a commitment to something greater than them, greater than ourself. And that's where love, we know, has been poured out as in our hearts. By the power, as Paul says, of the Holy Spirit. So much so that Paul actually and the early writers of the New Testament and the early Christians had to come up with a different term for love. Now, I'm not going to do an exposition on the four loves, which you should read by C.S. Lewis. The four Greek terms for love, they're all different, right? But instead, they get this obscure word, agape, or agapao in, in Greek, and they take it and they fill it with the meaning of divine love. So it's this obscure word that's barely used. And then they take that word and redeem it for what we now know of as agape love, which is God's kind of love toward us, his creation. Um, so <laughs> love is our staple as Christians, but what we end up finding more often than not is that we're kind of like this thing where somebody tells you, oh, you're going to have a fantastic time. It's going to be great. And you go there and you don't. You know what I mean? You've had these experiences where so much was promised, but when you went, it wasn't that you experienced that, right? And the world hears of the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the followers of Jesus Christ, but upon observing followers of Jesus Christ, they don't get that love of Jesus Christ. And it's unfortunate, and it is a problem of our witness. We need God's staple in us. His love poured out in our hearts in order to be the witness, the testimony that only God can provide. Because we are weak. 
We, even while we were sinners, he died for us, but we must not remain sinners. We must not remain sitting in our sin. His love empowers us to be transformed. That is the purpose of forgiveness, which is why justification is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Forgiveness in all our relationships makes possible on many levels the relationship, doesn't it? For all of us are going to fail one another at some point. And if we don't have forgiveness, the relationship must end. And relationships do die, don't they? Haven't you noticed in your own life that relationships die? Love can die. It can become shipwrecked. It's a very sensitive thing, really. What the world often finds instead of love, instead of God's love being poured out of the church and of believers, is instead a cold Pharisaism. It's that old thing that Jesus dealt with, even in the New Testament of Pharisees. Now, now Pharisees, they were all right people in their minds, but their actions were not the actions of love at the end of the day. They were more led by their mind than their heart or their hands. And hasn't the American church experience become more about what it is we believe in our heads than what's in our hearts or what we're actually doing with our hands? Remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer, imprisoned by the Nazis. And you really ought to, you can go read it for free, I think, parts of it online. His advent writing from a prison cell as he's about to be hung in 1945 by the Germans. It's powerful. One of the things he says and pens is this, only the obedient believe. And Jesus will match that by saying, if you love me, you'll do what I say. You'll obey my commandments. Now I know we have every excuse in the book to throw at him. But with the power of God being poured out, should there be an excuse other than our own no to God? We must confess that no and give it to him. I ran across a work by an Indian pastor that I was blown away by, and he did a way better job than I could have ever done, so I'm just simply going to read you the marks that he wrote down of a Pharisee. And I would just ask you, as I read these, to honestly allow the Spirit to search out your actions, the fruit of your life, the depths of your heart. Pharisees glory in their connection to godly people and not in their own godliness. Pharisees glory in external righteousness. What others can see. Pharisees do not mingle with sinful people. They're above that. Pharisees are ascetics. They're fasting all the time. They're doing this and that. Showing and proving something to God and others. Pharisees are very critical of others in very small matters. Pharisees live by rules. Pharisees are motivated by jealousy 
and hatred. Pharisees are suspicious and assume the worst about other people. I've noticed, haven't you, that there's a deep suspicion at the workplace? In public places? The world is so bad that we've become super stitious, or, or uh, suspicious. I was going to say super. Um, we've become super duper, if you will, <laughs> um, suspicious of one another, haven't we? We don't even want to talk to each other. We don't even know how to talk to each other anymore on a level of meaningful relationships and love. I'm not putting myself over here and you over there. I'm with you on that. Pharisees are very careless in their speech. Pharisees neglect their family responsibilities in the name of religion. Pharisees are easily offended. Yikes. Pharisees are spiritually blind. Pharisees are hypocrites. Pharisees seek to catch others in their words. Pharisees are hard-hearted. Pharisees cannot appreciate loud praise in public. Pharisees have knowledge without obedience. Pharisees do not practice what they preach. Pharisees bind heavy burdens on other people. Pharisees seek honor from men. Pharisees think that holiness is in the style of one's clothing. Pharisees love positions and titles of honor. Pharisees corrupt others, take advantage of the poor, pray long, impressive prayers in public, do missionary work and make people twofold children of hell. You say, how is that possible? Well, Wesley said, if you strike once the gospel for people but are not there to disciple them, you've banished them to hell. There is no discipleship. It's not just about sharing a quick good news with someone and leaving them. It's about pouring out your life for your neighbor, whoever that might be. Pharisees interpret Scripture without the revelation of God. Pharisees are sticklers for the letter of the law, have no justice, no mercy, no faithfulness. They strain out mosquitoes and swallow camels. Concentrate on having a good testimony Externally only. They imagine that God is their father when actually Satan is their father. All of these, by the way, have scripture quotations that I could give you. But this is one that Jesus says is very troubling. And that is, you think your father is my father. But instead your father is Satan. Because you're a liar. You lie not only with the words of your mouth, but with your life. And on and on, he has 50. won't read all of them. Recently, I had the talk with two of my boys. Nine and ten, they are. And so uh, we laid it all out there, you know, the talk, right? Can I put it in quotations and everybody's on the same page? All right. Everybody with me now? (laughs) Okay. And, uh, you know, 
we've got five kids. I feel like I'm somewhat of an expert on how everything works. I've been there five different times to witness this beautiful thing. And this is where we begin with it, in case anybody wants to know, is this is God's doing, isn't it? He's the one who did all this. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I really, I, I can't ever have the talk without laughing. Maybe that's just me, but as soon as I explain it to them, I tell them immediately, don't tell anyone. Don't be talking about this. Don't be sharing this with your neighbor friends. Just don't talk about it, okay? You come to me and you talk about it, but don't be trying to talk about it. You say, well, if you'd have done a good job, they could talk about it, right? Not quite. And isn't it curious to us when we read the Gospels that Jesus, have you noticed this? He's always telling his father, followers within those three years of his ministry, he's saying, don't tell anybody about this. Have you caught that? Have you ever seen that in the Gospels? He said, don't, don't, don't. They had the Mount Transfiguration, the confession of Peter, raising a dead girl. Don't, no, 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 don't tell anybody about this. Why? <laughs> I think it's for the same reason that I don't want my boys going around blabbing about the talk. It's because they don't fully understand yet. They've heard some things in their head, and they've got it, I'm sure, you know, bouncing around up in there. But they haven't realized it in their body even. They don't know it like I know it like you know it, and therefore they cannot properly speak about it. Jesus says the same thing to his followers. He says, look, you're seeing things. I'm revealing myself in certain ways, but do not speak about it just yet. Why? Because our staple that must be driven in here to clamp us to God and others is love. It's not knowledge. It's personal knowledge. It's the kind of knowledge where it says Adam knew Eve and they had a baby. That's a different kind of knowing than mental assent, isn't it? It's intimate knowing in here. Personal knowledge of love. And only until the Spirit descended at Pentecost were they given free reign to speak properly about the things they had been told and the things they saw. It must be so with us. We do damage, and there's been plenty of damage done by the church over the years, in the name of God, in the name of this or that, and without love. We must speak the truth, yes, but always couched in love, poured over with love, prayed over in love, and as we love. And yet, the truth must be said, or else it becomes sentimental only. Love is our staple, and we don't love like God loves. 
We think we do. We say we do. And that's what makes us a proper Pharisee. Let us repent of our wicked ways. Acknowledge that we're actually following the liar. Let us not have Satan as our father. These are strong words. They're good words. Like when the doctor tells you and you don't want to hear it that you have this or that and it's going to take a medical procedure to save your life. They're hard words and good words. It's beautiful, the gospel. It's beautiful, the good news, because we do not have to live as a Pharisee. Praise be to God that we do not have to live as a Pharisee. We don't have to live hypocritical lives. We don't have to try to climb our way to God and perform for Him and for others. We can let love be the staple in our life. The thing that is most necessary. The first thing before all things. God created ex nihilo, Latin for out of nothing. And out of nothing came something. All by the Word of God. Because in the beginning was the Word. All things obey His Word, this Word of God, but His image. And we failed. And the something became nothing. And many of us have nothing growing in our life. And most of us are (laughs) obeying Jesus' first command to His followers, don't tell. Say nothing. Many of us are very good at obeying that. And it's because we've not received the Holy Spirit of God. We've played the game. We know the words. We're right at the door. But just as our reading earlier said, we do not have the key of David to unlock the kingdom. The kingdom comes close at times. Worship times as these are where things, as one author said, get real thin. In the birth process, without going into too much detail, there's a thinning that must happen in order for the child to come. God has come near. He's right at the door. Paul will say later in his epistle, he's only a word away. And yet, many of us will come. We'll be right at the door. The key is offered. The birth process is thin. One more push and we'll be in the door. And yet we'll walk away. And we'll settle. We settle for what we've always been doing or for what we're comfortable with doing or for simply controlling and managing our own life. 
God forbid that we walk away when the wall gets thin and we're almost out. Let us instead today (laughs) make a push for the top of the hill. Isaiah has this beautiful vision that's been rocking my world recently and I'm allowing it just to pour over me every day this week because I lack so much. And I have other times where it's not necessarily what I lack, but what's before me is so daunting, I know I can't get to the top. But Isaiah has this vision where he says, (laughs) when the Messiah comes, he'll fill every valley, and he'll flatten every mountain to make the way straight. Do you need that in your life? Because I do. I've got some deep valleys of lack in my life. And I have mountains before me that I don't have a clue how to get up. And only God offers to fill those valleys and flatten those mountains so that we can walk in His ways. I believe He can do that. What better time than when the walls are thin, pregnant with love, that he would come in here to our stony hearts, our ice-cold love, and breathe over it his thawing breath. You seen Chronicles of Narnia? Have you read it? Aslan breathes on the statues after the queen has made them into these ice statues. He breathes on them and they come back to life. Do you remember Jesus after the resurrection? He meets with his disciples, walks through the wall. They're meeting like we're meeting. They're waiting on him. He comes in and it says, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Oh God, would you breathe on us now and may we receive your Holy Spirit. May we let you be God and us be us. May you make this nothing into something because the something of heaven has made himself nothing. Oh God, would you breathe on us the breath of of God, just as you did in Adam, do it again as the great reversal of reconciliation upon us. For he came, he lived, he died, and he rose in order to send the Spirit, his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, God's Spirit in us. And we today have the key to unlock all of the grace of God that we'll ever need. Deity has become dust so that dust might be joined with deity. Hallelujah. Praise God forever for that. The opportunity is now. The time is ripe for you to enter into all the fullness 
of God. May it be so today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.